Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook and the second part of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. I look at the guys who have been a great witness for Christ, and I look at their humble beginnings. I think of, I think of Billy Graham, a man with very humble beginnings. I think of Greg Laurie. If you've ever read Greg Laurie's story, that's some humble beginnings. If you haven't already, maybe get his book, Lost Boy, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think of Pastor Chuck Smith. These were men of very humble beginnings, men that were nothing in the world. And God has used them in a great and mighty way. Why is that? Why is that true? Well, look at verse 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Verse 28, And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that He may nullify the things that are. Why? Well, the answer is verse 29. So that no man may boast before God. So that no man may boast before God. God has a reason. He's not going to use people with the worldly stature. And I'm not saying they can't be used because many have. And usually down the road, after they become a Christian and matured a little bit. But God takes the foolish things of the world, the humble things of the world, even the despised things of the world, so that no man may boast before him. Now look, since Paul is asking these believers to think about what they were before God called them, don't you think we should do the same? Shouldn't we look at ourselves a little bit and go, hey, what was I before Christ called me and before I responded to his calling? Now, if you think that God called you because you had it all together and he was really getting a good deal when you came into the kingdom, well, you need to think again. And I was thinking about this, and I went back to when I accepted the Lord. I was 13 years old, and I I thought, you know, I'm really kind of glad that I was only 13 years old when I accepted the Lord, because I had nothing to boast about. I could barely tie my shoes. So, you know, there was, I had nothing to offer the Lord when I came to Him. The only thing I knew, and it was because of the preaching of the cross that we've been talking about in the last couple weeks, that I realized that there was nothing I could do or nothing I had that would get me into heaven. And if there's one thing that the New Testament makes clear, it's summed up in the next verse in verse 30. Verse 30 says this, But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus. And this is a concept that we must grasp. You and I... We are in Christ Jesus by His doing, not our doing. He provided the way of salvation by His death on the cross. He provided our victory over death by His resurrection. And He provided us the measure of faith 
that was necessary for us to receive his gift of salvation. You see, it is all by his doing that we have a relationship with him. And it's all by his doing that we maintain that relationship. Philippian tells us that he is the one who's going to bring this good work into completion or perfection, right? Not us. It is all by his doing. And we're never to take credit for the work that he has done. And I think that when we truly understand that, when we truly believe that, it brings about probably the most important character trait that we should have. You know what that character trait is? I know a lot of you are going, okay, wait a minute. It's supposed to be love. No. Love is an action that we take. Love is part of who we are. But the character trait that we need to have is humility. It's humility. You see, again, that's what this is all about. We cannot boast in ourselves. We need to have humility. And this is what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. And now next, Paul is going to teach us something else. He's going to take us beyond that salvation and what else Jesus brings to us as we respond to his call. So he says in that same verse, who became to us wisdom from God. Now that's kind of interesting. He became to us wisdom from God. What does that mean? Well, think about it. Before you came to Christ, what kind of wisdom did you have? Now maybe you were starting to read your Bible and maybe you kind of read the Proverbs and you you started to see what wisdom was. But before we came to Christ, before the Holy Spirit indwelt us, the only wisdom we had was the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the flesh, carnal wisdom. That's what we had. And as we've read earlier, what's that worth in the kingdom of God? Zero. Zip. But that's what we had. So Jesus became to us wisdom from God. Any wisdom that you or I might have. And, and I really appreciate it when, when people come in, maybe for counseling or whatever, and they said, well, I'm just, and we have one guy in this congregation, he always walks in and he says, I'm looking for some pearls of wisdom. And I'm going, well, if you're looking at me, you're looking at the wrong place, okay? Because any wisdom I have comes straight from his word, straight from the power of his Holy Spirit. Any wisdom that we have, and we need to understand that it is received from Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And then it says, he became to us righteousness. Now, righteousness in two senses of the word. And I think it's important to understand both of them. One, and, and Pastor Michael is so good at teaching us, and he talks about the great exchange of the cross. And, and, and that is so true. But two parts of that righteousness. One is, we're now legally not guilty. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Before we came to Christ, were we guilty of sin? Yes, we were, absolutely. But when we came to Christ, we are legally, are standing legally as we are no longer guilty. We've been acquitted. We've been forgiven. In actuality, someone else has taken that sin from us. So we are legally not guilty. And that's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome to know that. But there's a second sense. And, and I want to use this term. It's his act of righteousness. You see, Jesus was righteous. Completely, perfectly righteous. And his act of righteousness, in other words, the ability 
to do what's right in God's eyes is now available to us. You see, before that time, before we came to Christ, before he paid the penalty for our sin and we received that gift of God, we didn't have the ability to do what was right in God's eyes. We may have tried, and we may not even really try to do what's right in God's eyes, but what we thought was right and the right thing to do, but we didn't have that ability. So Jesus became our righteousness in the sense that we now have an ability to do what is right before God. That's amazing, isn't it? We have the ability to do what's right. We don't always use that ability. We don't always use it. We don't always walk in the Spirit and allow Him to do that work. But we now at least have the possibility and the ability to do what's right in God's eyes. And then it says He became to us sanctification. Now that's a big word. And if you really want to know what that word means, you've got to come to the next Firm Foundation class. No, that's okay. We'll talk about it right now. You see, because of our new relationship with Jesus, we are now becoming sanctified. Sanctified really means set apart. Set apart from the world and set apart to God. That's what we become. And it's a process that takes place. And the closer and closer we draw to the Lord, the more set apart from the world we become and the more set apart to God we become. Have you noticed that in your Christian walk? That's why we say, you know, hey, we know we can't be perfect. We know we're not going to do things right all the time. But can you look back at your life and see how much more set apart from God you are this year than you were last year? I've been walking with the Lord over 50 years. And believe me, that first 10 or so, that was slow growth. Wow. Way too slow. But you know, I can look back and go, my life was beginning to be set apart for God, but then it became more set apart for God and more set apart from the things of the world. Now, I'm not there yet, and you're not there yet, but some of the things that happen, first of all, your worldview changes. Your worldview changes. Your worldview before you came to Christ was a worldly worldview. You saw the world the way those influential people told you to, those news guys told you to, the movies told you to, the music. How many of you guys, okay, I'm dating myself again. How many of you guys sang all those Beatles songs, you know? And, and that was your worldview. All we need is love. <laughs> well, that's true. But I would change it to, all we need is agape. Because that means something different than the Beatles meant, let me tell you. See, we had, that was our worldview. That's how we saw the world. So our worldview changes as we're being sanctified. Our behavior changes as we're sanctified. And if our behavior isn't changing, you're supposed to be being sanctified. You maybe better take a look at what's going on. Your behavior should change. And I thought about it this way. I, I thought, you know, our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness. Can I say it again? Our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness because we're looking to please the Lord. Now, I want to say that I know that's true because I, I got to tell you, I was a very selfish person and in my flesh I still am you've been listening to the walk in truth program 
Hey, Shane Lance here. I'm the music director at Living Truth, and I wanted to take a moment and invite you to our annual Harvest Fest. This is an event that we do every year on Halloween at 5.30 p.m., and it's absolutely free. This is great if you want to come by yourself or you want to come with the whole family. We have something for everybody. The kids will enjoy a petting zoo, balloon artists, bounce houses. There's going to be live music, games, the pumpkin patch, a photo booth, maybe even an opportunity to meet Pastor Michael. He'll be there that night, more than willing to shake your hand and say hello. So we really want to invite you to be a part of our family at Living Truth and come out this night. It's a great option if you're not super interested in going trick-or-treating with your kids. This is an awesome opportunity, and it's also a great opportunity to bring a friend. Whether they believe in the gospel or not, the gospel will be preached this night. We believe in the power of the gospel, then it will be proclaimed. So we hope that you'll join us. For more information on our Harvest Fest, go to walkintruth.com, or you can download our Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in the App Store. We really hope to see you on October 31st, 5.30 p.m. for our annual Harvest Fest. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now back to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. How many of you guys sang all those Beatles songs, you know? And, and that was your worldview. All we need is love. Well, that's true. But I would change it to all we need is agape. Because that means something different than the Beatles meant, let me tell you. See, we had, that was our worldview. That's how we saw the world. So our worldview changes as we're being sanctified. Our behavior changes as we're sanctified. And if our behavior isn't changing, you're supposed to be being sanctified. You maybe better take a look at what's going on. Your behavior should change. And I thought about it this way. I I thought, you know, our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness. Can I say it again? Our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness because we're looking to please the Lord. Now, I want to say that I know that's true because I got to tell you, I was a very selfish person. And in my flesh, I still am. The flesh doesn't change. It's only by means of walking in the Spirit that I've become more selfless than selfish. Um, and that's part of my sanctification. That's what the Lord is doing. And then it tells us that there's one more thing that Jesus becomes, and it says He's our redemption. He's our redemption. I love this word. Uh, in, in actuality, this Greek word, it's apolutrosis, and it was used in the slave trade. And what it meant was the ransom payment to buy back a slave. That's what it meant. Redemption, the buying back. And Jesus was and is our ransom payment. He became our redemption. He's redeemed us from the bondage of sin and the bondage of death, and he's given us freedom just the way a person who would walk up to a slave owner and say, I'm buying that, and then says, now I set you free. It's amazing. Then in verse 31, it says, So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, this is a quotation from the book of Jeremiah, and I would love for you to turn back there if you would. The book of Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, chapter 9. 
Jeremiah chapter 9, right in that section of all the prophets there. And if you would look at me with me, uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And I'm going to read it out of the NIV. I think it's a little simpler to understand. It's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And that's what Paul is quoting when he's saying, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. Because it's only because the Lord has given me the understanding to know him, the one who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. Well, as we move into chapter 2, I want you to remember this. this is not, there's no chapter breaks in the original letters. Paul is continuing this same thought as he moves into chapter 2 right here. And what he's going to do, and this is what I love about Paul, and, and I think that that's why a lot of us who stand up here in a pulpit and preach use personal examples, because I look at Paul and that's what he did. And so he's going to come into a personal example. Remember he said, okay, I want you guys to think about what you were. And I wonder what they were thinking as, as they read that. And I wonder what you were thinking when you read that. But Paul now says, look, verse 1 of chapter 2. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. And again, I want to read this in the NIV to you. It says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, just like with you, you weren't much of your calling. He says, so it was with me. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. You see, Paul had come to Corinth in true humility, knowing that the, the techniques of persuasion that were really the, the pride of Greek culture, the ability to use rhetoric and persuade people, that was the pride of Greek culture. And he came to Corinth not doing that. He knew that that wasn't the way to bring people into relationship with Christ. So he says in verse 2, he says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as Pastor Michael has been sharing for the last couple of weeks, this was the message that Paul was bringing to the people at, at Corinth. The message of the cross, of Christ crucified. But I do want to make something clear here because we could get the idea of, okay, so Paul was in Corinth and all he ever talked about was Christ and him crucified. And I don't think that's exactly what he's saying. He says, I came to you with that message. So he did. That was the message he came to him with. But I don't think Paul, and as his custom was, he would get up in the synagogue each week and begin, began to teach. And I don't think Paul got up and stood up and said, Jesus Christ was crucified, so repent and turn to him and then sit down. You know, kind of like the street preachers that like to go out there and yell, turn or burn. I don't think that's what Paul did. I think that's kind of a silly thing to think because after all, if we look at the book of Acts chapter 18, we see that Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. That would have got a little repetitive if he just would have said that over and over, would it? 
And I think that uh, we, we need to understand. What Paul is saying here is that this is the message of salvation. And that there's no salvation apart from the message of the cross. But not only the cross. I know that Paul said that, but I think that it's implied that he was including the resurrection. And why do I say that? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. And so it was the message of the cross and Christ crucified and raised from the dead. And it was that simple message and not any worldly wisdom that brought the Corinthians into their relationship with God. And remember that this is a correctional letter that Paul had written to them. And he wants to remind them that he didn't try to win them using eloquent speech or methods or gimmicks or anything else. And by the way, Paul was very capable of using eloquent speech. Paul was a highly educated leader of the Jewish people before he became a Christian. He knew how to do that. But Paul realized that all of his pedigree and all his wisdom that he had before he came to Christ was worth absolutely nothing when it came to preaching the message of salvation. And he knew that none of that could earn his way into heaven, so he certainly wasn't going to share with the Corinthians that there was any other way to heaven. So he kept his message, the cross, Christ crucified, Christ raised from the dead. And so he continues in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 2. So he says, I didn't come with you to you with eloquence and speak. In fact, it was just the opposite. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And I relate to this because I promise you every time I stand in this pulpit, I am coming in weakness and fear and trembling because this is God's word and I revere it so highly and I don't ever want to mislead anyone when it comes to teaching the word of God. So I know what Paul's talking about in one sense. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was the second part of Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. Make sure you visit walkintruth.com to get a copy of the DVD called Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween. What is Halloween? Where did it come from? Should a Christian participate in any way? In this teaching, Pastor Michael will explore the history of this holiday, examine some of its modern expressions, and provide some insights on how the church can best respond. Order the DVD or CD on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, you may be thinking, I don't know if the Lord could really use someone like me. And that someone like me is usually, I don't have enough knowledge. Maybe I'm not consistent enough in my walk. You can fill in the blanks. But you know what? God can use each and every one of us. He can use our strengths and even our weaknesses can become a platform for others to see his grace. And sometimes it's through our brokenness and how the Lord ministered comfort to us and got our attention that we then become, you know, agents of grace to tell others how we found hope. You know, I'm amazed at how many times I hear personal testimonies of Christians where there's so much dysfunction, so much brokenness, and God put the pieces back together in a beautiful tapestry, and now we've become agents or ambassadors of grace. So never think that the Lord can't use you. 
You know, God can use one Bible verse in in a person's life, just one verse, John 3.16, you know, First um, John 3.16 to change someone's life. So God's, you know, it's been said God's not looking so much for ability as availability. And if you and I are willing to say like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. He is so faithful to do just that. So never doubt that he can use you. And maybe your prayer, my prayer, needs to be more, Lord, use me. Uh, Help me to share the gospel with someone today. And uh, he'll be faithful to give you those opportunities. Hey, uh, I want to invite you to a special event that we have coming up here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's the Harvest Fest, and it's happening on October 31st as really a Halloween alternative or a a time to celebrate the Lord, the light of the world, on a, on a night that some people practice dark things. It's going to begin at 5.30 at Living Truth in the city of Corona, and it's great for the kids. We're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have candy. We're going to have games. We're going to have a pumpkin patch and uh, great food, worship. It's going to be an awesome time, and we invite you and your family to come out to a safe environment for the kids where you can have a great time together. A lot of people do dress up. We encourage you to dress up as a Bible character and just come on out and enjoy the evening. It's Harvest Fest at Living Truth Christian Fellowship on the 31st. You can find out information and directions when you go to walkintruth.com or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Come on out. We'd love to have you, and I'd love to meet you on that night. We'll see you there. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 